Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where you learn to create, launch, and promote your very own online courses. My name is Phil Ebener. I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Deegan. We're back for an exciting episode. This is a new format that we're going to be doing in this season. We're going to try it out. This is the first time we're doing it called Five Questions, where we take five questions from our audience and kind of just answer your questions on the show. So Jeremy, welcome back to the show and uh, excited to be back. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be back too. It's been a great season. We've got to talk to some really interesting and awesome people so far. And uh, yeah, we haven't really caught up lately. So how is everything going on your side of the world? (laughs) Things are good. Things are good. Um, As you know, uh, we are batch recording a lot of interviews. Uh, So for people listening to this, uh, we recorded a lot of interviews uh, probably, you know, a month ago or a couple months ago at this point. And this week in particular, uh, this has taken over my life, which is great because we're getting a lot of work done. But I also have some other projects I'm working on. I'm trying to get this uh, new Canon DSLR class out. And so that's on the back burner, but it's also the beauty of the system I've set up now where I had an editor who was basically editing that class for me. And all I need to do now is uh, I need to go in, check the edit, maybe add a couple graphics here and there. Um, So it shouldn't be too much work to get it out. Um, It's tough trying to get a new course out every month. I mean, that's kind of my goal Mm -hmm. is to get a new course up and running every month, but um, it's tough to do that with just the limited amount of time that I have. But, um, but yeah, things are good. How are things over there in Florida? Yeah, things are good. It's uh, springtime, almost summer. The kids are, at the time of this recording, about to get out of school. So we'll be probably in full summer when this uh, episode launches, yeah. which will be nice. It'll be a little nice time to kind of take the pedal off the metal for a little bit and spend it you know, with the family. Um, but yeah, everything's going good. Just working on, uh, online course masters. I'm super excited for everything we got set up and, uh, looking forward to, uh, this season and the rest of the season and getting to talk to some other great, uh, instructors out there. Yeah, no, it's been actually, it's been really fun, uh, chatting with other instructors and it's actually been a really really long time doing the interviews because all of season two is just you and me and so just this week i've been really pumped just thinking about it and um being able to chat with people who are on all sort of walks of life and Mm -hmm. having a ton of success and uh just even just having recently launched the website and seeing people even though at the time of this recording, it's not even really live. We haven't promoted it. There's people who are joining the five-day free challenge and downloading our free guide to all of the equipment and apps <laughs> you need to get startup started. Um, so by the time you're listening to this, if you head over to onlinecoursemasters.com, there's a free five-day challenge you could join. Also, at the bo- bottom of the site, there's a guide that I put together. It's the OCM Startup Kit. Um, so check those out, but, um, yeah, let's get into the questions. All right. Yeah, definitely. So we've got five questions set up that we're going to go through and, uh, we'll just run these off one after another and hopefully it can uh, help you out there listening. So the first question is, is from Mohammed, And the question is, how do you make sure that your older courses keep earning revenue? That's a really good question. And Mohammed actually was one of the guests on our show. He's episode number 82. So you can check out his interview, onlinecoursemasters.com slash 82. Uh, great 
guy doing uh, online courses part-time as a side hustle. So check that out. So that's a great question. I think for me, um, there's a couple things I'm doing. One is just sort of the evergreen kind of funnels that I've set up to continually drive people to those courses. So I have my course list on my website, videoschoolonline.com. I have old YouTube videos and blog articles that point to those courses. And so as long as I'm continually kind of putting out new content and new people are finding me from new YouTube videos or new blog articles or just having had done, having done so much work to grow my website, I'm still getting a lot of new traffic to the website and people are finding those courses. So that's one thing is that you can just try to build up uh, content online that um, is popular. And you just do that by finding, you know, just continuing to put out new content, doing your keyword research to put out content that people are interested in, making sure it's high value. And people are eventually going to find it if you continue to do that. Um, So that's one way. And the other is just to try to promote them with your promotional announcements and emails. And this is something that um, I don't think many of us do enough of on Udemy specifically is just sending a new promotional announcement for an older course. Um, Especially if that course is still valid and up to date, send a promo announcement about it. Um, If you don't have a new course to promote, send a promo about an old course. And I would say still though, what I think... I totally believe has more success is promoting one single course with your promo announcements. I do it. I think you do it, Jeremy. Everyone mm-hmm. does it all the time. We end up sending a promo announcement saying $9.99 for all of our courses and we list all of our courses and that can drive some traffic to your courses. But if you're really trying to spark an old course and get that up to, up and running and, and just breathe some new life into it, choose one promo announcement and send it to that specific course. And this is also a great time to maybe update that old course, put add some new lectures and give someone an extra reason to enroll in that one. And you can talk about that in your promotional announcements. So those are just a couple things that I'm doing. I don't know anything that you're doing or any other ideas. Yeah, just going off of what you said, um, doing promoting one course is a great way. I've seen success with that. And what I thought about before was when you launch a new course, like especially me, the first launch prom- promotional announcement that I use on Udemy is usually like my best announcement because like I spend so much time just making sure it looks good and sounds good and I put all this information in it. And then later on, like I never really have used that um, information before. It just kind of goes to the wayside. And so I would like, you know, in a couple months, maybe make another promotional announcement and just type a quick paragraph or whatever and try to promote my courses. But what I thought about later on was if you have people coming into your courses that aren't enrolled into that first, you know, that one course, they've never seen that launch email before. And so what I started Mm -hmm. doing was I started actually going back and grabbing those like promotional announcements from my first launch and then creating those into new promotional announcements. I might have to reword some things like, you know, take out like, Hey, I just launched this course. You know, if it's six months later, of course that's not true. Um, but like I've done that now, 
I've seen really good success because usually that first launch email that I make is like really good. It has a lot of images. Sometimes I do like animated GIFs and stuff. And so I'll go back and I'll grab that first promo and then I'll, I'll send that out to any students um, who aren't enrolled in that course. Maybe they came, came to me through different courses and now I'm trying to promote a course they're not enrolled in. One cool trick about Udemy when you're promoting on there is you can exclude students. So yeah. I can send that promo out to people who aren't in that course and then only new people who've never seen it or aren't enrolled are seeing that promotional announcement. So I have seen a lot of success with that. Yeah. Love that idea. Um, yeah. Great stuff. I, I would say also the other thing too, to help um, make sure that your older courses keep earning revenue ties into the next question from Chris. And that question is, is it better to upgrade an existing course that's not performing anymore or to reuse and improve the material, publish a new course and retire the old course? Okay. That's a great question. So that's from Chris Moore. Thank you for that question. And it's something that I've dealt with a lot. And I think I've kind of changed my approach to this. But there's a couple of key things that you asked in the question that I want to also just make sure we're on the same page. So basically, what I do now is that if I have an old course that is still performing well, so this is different than what Chris is saying. So if I have an old course that is still selling well, is still, and we're talking about Udemy here, um, but if on Udemy, it's still ranking r relatively well, the reviews are are good, then I'm going to update that existing course. I don't want to have to redo everything, rebuild the reviews and the SEO that it has to try to rank good with a, a brand new course. Say you have a course that is not quote unquote performing well. So that means maybe it's not making money, but the content is still relevant. The reviews are good. It's just not ranking well or it's not and it's not making money. Therefore, I would still probably update that existing course, um, especially on Udemy. I feel like if you have a number of reviews you don't want to waste those good reviews. It just means you need to do a little bit of extra work to promote your course better, do some of the things we talked about with the first question, um, and just spark some life into it. Do content marketing off of Udemy. Just start, if you have any audience outside of Udemy, send traffic to that course, mm -hmm. emails, uh, promotions, do content, actual content marketing like webinars or trainings, YouTube tutorials, podcasts, interviews, get on other people's podcasts, whatever you can um, to drive traffic to that course. Because there's no reason to recreate a course if the reviews are good and the content is still, still uh, valid. Now, if it's an out-of-date course that the content is no longer relevant, it's getting bad reviews, it's not ranked well, it's not making money, that's when I would say go in there, try creating something completely from scratch. Um, and that's really the only time I would say start from scratch is if the reviews are bad and there's no um, SEO that juice coming from that course that is helping it to rank. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with just about everything you're saying because you you want to make sure. I mean, there's different kinds of courses. You you have evergreen courses that might talk about um, you know uh, your finances or or something that that would stay around for playing the guitar, playing the piano. Yeah. You know, the piano hasn't changed for a long time. Most of what you can teach there is going to be evergreen from here after. But then you have like software courses that can really get old. And I I'm experiencing this with some of my first courses now. Um, some of the first courses I made are on a software software that has changed. The look of the software has changed the interface and all of that stuff. And the, it's kind of a tricky situation because the review on that course has fallen a little bit because I have not updated it to the newer software. And so at this point, it's kind of like, I probably should just create a new course and uh, rebrand that with the new interface, all the new things that it has in it, and then try to promote that to the people. Now, if the review was higher, I think it has a really lot to do with the reviews too, mm-hmm. because if, if it has a really bad review, like under four, I, I, I consider bad reviews under 4.0, maybe even a little higher than that. But let's just say if it's under 4.0, and you don't see getting it to 4.5, 4.6, which is kind of the average from what I've seen, um, I would probably retire that course and just start from scratch. And it's yeah. it depends on how many reviews you have. You know, if you have thousands of reviews, you might want not want to do that. But if you have a couple hundred reviews and it's like a 3.7 and there's no hope for it getting any higher, I'd probably just retire that course. Yeah. Now, if I have a, a course that's outdated and... Um, Maybe there's some content that's good there and it's getting a really good review, like it's a 4.6, 4.7, and I have like a thousand reviews. I'm not going to retire that course. I would definitely go in and update that course. And I think I think you've done this before. I know I've seen this before um, where people will take the older like version of the course and they'll actually just move it down the course and they'll put the newer version in front. And I've actually seen people have success with that because, uh, if someone buys that course, they actually can see the older version and the newer version. And like, if you're talking about, I don't know, like, uh, Microsoft Office 2017 and Microsoft Office people still using XP or something, um, they might want that older version. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to add one thing because I think that's all all great ideas. Um, and in some of my classes, uh, specifically, I have a YouTube course um, where I have the old version that's later, I just added it all in one section because there were still students who were taking that content. And so I have this sort of grace period before I delete it, because ultimately, I do want to delete it because new students don't need to see any of that, that old content. Um, But it is good to have that grace period. The one thing that I will add or suggest, though, is even if your course has, if your course has lower reviews, but it's still ranking well, I would still update that course. Um, Because this happens on Udemy that if you've been on the platform for a long time um, and you've had that benefit of being on the platform, having a course on there for a long time that just has a lot of reviews, even for some courses and topics, courses that have lower reviews like 4.2 to 4.4, sometimes those rank relatively well. well. And in that case, I would still just update that existing course, not create a brand new version. Because I've made that mistake before where I've created a brand new version 
but because the reviews weren't that good, um, thinking, oh, I'll have this brand new version, it'll do really good, start to rank well. But by the time that new version starts to rank well for me, another course has just totally taken over as the number one or, you know, the top few courses. And so it's too much, too much work for, for my new course to kind of overtake those other new courses. So that's, uh, in gen- in general, I'm a fan of updating courses. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I would create a brand new course nowadays is if my existing course doesn't have good reviews is not ranked well and is not making any money and it's the content itself is out of date. Yeah. And and you touched on something else too a minute ago, and that was about marketing and sending more traffic to the course. I think that's another big thing too, is that we put, put it up on Udemy and then we just expect Udemy to do all the work. But as you've stated in previous episodes before, if you, if you show Udemy that people are buying the course, coming to the course, hitting the landing page, they're actually going to help take over and start putting money into advertising and marketing that course, which actually just helps perpetuate every Everything. So I think what a lot of people, including myself, uh, don't do a good job of is finding other avenues to market courses to dry, try to drive life into them. So if you have, you have a course and maybe you're only promoting it on, say, Twitter, you know, start looking at like Pinterest and YouTube and other ways to get, you know, um, more people into that course that can help breathe life in it also. Yep. This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com slash academy to join today. So our next question is, what is the best way to validate a course idea? Start with my own platform built in WordPress or use a turnkey platform like Teachable? I think the easiest thing would just be to start with Teachable. There's no reason to like try do the extra work of building out your own platform on WordPress if you don't know um if you if if you're just trying to validate and i guess the question is are you simply do you simply have a course idea that you're trying to see if your audience is interested in or are you creating a basic version of the course um, and this is, unfortunately, uh, we don't know who asked this question because uh, it was from a survey that we sent out and we didn't c- get people's names. Um, so I don't know who asked this, but I guess th- there's that difference because you don't even need to use Teachable or a course platform to validate a course idea. If you have an audience already, you could just simply send out an email or create a f- a survey using Google Forms or SurveyMonkey or whatever, and just ask people if they're interested in this topic. Now, that's not a perfect validation because people might be interested in a topic, but they might not be willing to actually pay for it. And when it comes down to actually putting in their credit card information, they might not do that, uh, even if they say they are interested in it. But there's lots of different ways to, to actually validate a course idea. And we have a podcast episode. I'll try to find the uh, number. 
but back from season two, completely about validating course ideas for anyone that's interested. Um, but, but like I said, if you, whatever you're trying to do, if you're trying to get people to actually enroll in some sort of like course that eventually you'll put content in, I would just use something like Teachable or Thinkific because you can start for free. They have free options. I'm pretty sure Thinkific still has a free plan. Um, I know Teachable does. And just you can put up a simple landing page. You don't even have to add content to the course and you can just send it and see if people sign up. You could even charge for it. You could even put a price on it and say, you know, we're just getting people in the course. We'll be creating the content later. And heck, that's a great way to actually validate if uh, Mm. a course topic, if people will actually pay for your course. Yep, I agree. That I think that's that's uh, you said everything perfectly. And that's episode so, uh, fifty-five for people interested. Uh, so onlinecoursemasters.com/slash fifty-five for validating a course topic. Awesome, very good. So uh, our next question comes from Lucas Salvatore, and the question is: Is Udemy still experimenting mm-hmm. with raising prices for popular instructors in select markets? Do you see Udemy increasing profit per instructor long-term? I think we're still at the beginning of Udemy growth, and I'd love your thoughts. Mm, interesting. Well, I love that line that you said at the end, which was um, loving your th- or just thinking that Udemy is at the beginning of the growth because I've been on Udemy since 2012, and it still does kind of feel like we're at the beginning of this. And I just saw an article, there was a big research paper done on online education. And it just talked about like through 2025 online education is continuing to, to boom. And, uh, the the expect expectation is that it's just going to continue to grow. And the fact that Udemy is in the forefront of that, at least for education where you're learning skills, where anyone can teach a course, uh, Udemy, I believe, is still the best place to to get started on, uh, the easiest place to start to make money on. So in terms of the pricing experiments, I have to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what experiments they're running right now. I know in the past they've run experiments where like they were charging a higher price in places where like Australia, where their dollar is a little bit more powerful than places like in India, where the cost of a course is, you know, 10 US dollars. That's a lot more for a person um, in terms of just general what they spend on day to day goods than someone maybe in the US or in Australia. So they've been doing a lot of pricing like that. And I, I believe they're going to continue to do those experiments. I think they had success with that experiment in Australia, proving that they can charge a different rate uh, for the same courses. Um, so I believe all of that is to actually increase profit per instructor in the long term or profit per course sale, rather. Uh, Of course, we want them to make all the instructors more money, but really what they're trying to do is increase the amount that they they make per per, um, course sale. And you and I know this. We've been on the platform for a long time. We've (laughs) seen the pricing changes. We saw like the ups and downs. (laughs) And while I guess the general decrease from when I started, average sales were... 20, 30, 40 bucks. I mean, we could send out a promotional announcement. I used to sell my new courses for 29 bucks all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
I actually made more money from my promotions back then, but I also make more money now compared to then because the platform has grown because the there's just more people buying courses and of course because I've continued to do a lot of work to put more courses out um but yeah I I just I I don't know the ins and outs I this is why it's great to be a Udemy instructor because they they do send out emails with this kind of stuff I was trying to find it in my emails right now but I just couldn't um so um yeah I don't know do you know anything else um to add to this no, I mean, last I've heard that they they were experimenting and they're always going to be experimenting. Now, Udemy's take is to try to get information out for everyone across the world. So yeah. they're going to try to find the cheapest way for people to be able to consume education. Um, but on the other hand, they are a business. And so they also need to make money to be sustainable. So they're, they're always going to be experimenting. And we could tell you today um, that they are raising prices and then tomorrow they could send out an email and say, no, we're, we're lowering our prices. So it's really hard to say. But you know I, what they're trying to do is they want to see if they can provide the cheapest education for people around the world, but they also need to find the best way to make profit for themselves. And in doing so, they're going to increase our profits. So yeah. they're going to try to find that perfect line and that perfect balance of where they can charge for each different you know, country or different place in the world while still maintaining the maximum profit and also offering it at a lower price than typical courses that go for hundreds of dollars. While you were giving that amazing answer to, <laughs> to or addition to this question, uh, I was able to find the blog article that Udemy has on the evolution of pricing. And this is something that they continue to update um, with what they're doing. And we'll link to that in the show notes. So if you go to onlinecoursemasters.com slash 85 for this episode, um, you can get to this blog post. And it basically talks about the last update is what we've seen, which is that the Australia pricing pilot worked. Uh, they're going to be expanding it. Uh, they have expanded it this year to other countries. And uh, yeah, they're just continuing to work and see how they can increase prices and make more money for everyone. Very good. So our final question is from Jason Dion. And that question is, did you hire employees or VAs? And for anyone not familiar, a VA is a virtual assistant. Yeah, and I think that thanks for the question, Jason. Jason, uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason was on. Jason, Jason <laughs> was on our podcast. I'll get the the number in just a second. I guess the question. I mean, a VA could technically be an employee. I guess what I'm I'm guessing what Jason is trying to get at is, did you hire someone full time as a pl an employee that has like the benefits of an employee versus someone who um, maybe just works for you part-time or is more on a contract basis. Um, so Jason's uh, episode, if you're interested, is episode 38. So onlinecoursemasters.com slash 38. Um, so I have, uh, a, I've used virtual assistants or... I guess it's hard. I mean, I've used contractors. So I do have what I'll call a virtual assistant uh, who she does ge general assistant work. I've 
had her do different things from responding to reviews to helping push blog posts to scheduling social media posts. So that's generally what you could find from a virtual assistant. And I used a company called taskseveryday.com. This is a Filipino-based virtual assistant company. And so you get uh, assistance from the Philippines who um, speak great, are fluent in English and uh, are well-versed in a lot of the tools that you might use, such as Google Docs, WordPress. There was some training that I had to do myself to get her up to speed with some things. But in general, that was a great, um, great option. And with with tasks every day, you have the option for paying basically a for 20 hours of work a week, so half time or 40 hours a, a week. Um, so a full time VA, basically. Um, but this VA is not getting like health benefits or any sort of benefits that an employee might have. So that benefits me because obviously as a business owner who's trying to cut costs, I don't have to pay for those things. Um, But obviously it would be great to grow a business to a point where you can support employees and have that kind of business. Um, This also depends on how your business is structured. So I'm not exactly sure it's different in different states and of course in different countries. But if you're just a sole proprietor, um, I'm not sure if there's a real way to, we should have an accountant on here, but I'm not sure if there's a real <laughs> way to to hire an employee because once you do that, you have to have an actual business structure. I have um, built my business as an S corporation. And so once I started, there are rules with S corps that if I hire a, an employee full time or any sort of employee, there are some certain benefits that I have to provide, such as um, retirement. So I I, I don't want to like say exactly what it is because I don't know off the top of my head, but it's something like they have to have a similar retirement plan that I have myself. There's also different rules with um, hiring family family members. Like I can ha- hire my wife um, as an employee, so she gets those benefits um, that I have. Uh, but it, the benefits don't have to be. It, it's kind of different if it's it's a family member. So there's a lot in there. But basically, um, I guess the benefit of hiring more of a VA or a contractor is that um, you don't have to have benefits, um, and you can choose how much they work for you. Um, and also there's lots more people looking for that kind of work. Um, and it's, I would say it's easier to find people through websites like upwork.com, which I've used to hire video editors, podcast editors. Uh, I've hired, I have someone, an assistant who answers questions for me on Udemy. Um, and I found her through Upwork. So, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff there. Anything else you want to add? No, I, um, yeah, just hire, hiring employees is not something that I would be interested in for a while because I feel like there's just so much that you can do with freelancers. And yeah. one of the main things is once you hire an employee, um, you got to abide by employee rules of paying them on a regular basis, salary or whatever. And you got to make sure that you have enough work to make it worthwhile to having a full-time or a part-time employee work yeah. for you. I think uh, for for most out there, you can hire you know virtual 
assistants or editors or whatever to do uh, either reoccurring tasks or just the one-off tasks that you have to do and not have to be concerned with all the the extra stuff that goes into having that employee. Yeah, I mean, and that's a really good point. And even myself, I found that hiring my VA part-time for 20 hours a week I was struggling some days to figure out what I wanted her to do because I could fill her time. I could mm-hmm. get her to, I was having her responding to reviews, questions, assignments, uh, responding to social media comments, uh, responding to comments on YouTube. But at the end of the day, do those specific tasks help my business? Mm-hmm. And there's some of those things that I found it wasn't really helping my business. And so why am I paying her to do these things? And so really, I guess it's an important thing to figure out what's going to be the best return on your investment, Mm -hmm. making sure that if you are paying someone as an employee, VA, contractor, whatever, that um, it's actually helping you to grow your business. So um, it'd be great to actually have uh, someone on the show who talks about who knows more about employees and and VAs and that kind of stuff. Maybe we'll try to find someone um, who can talk about that in more depth. We'll get Chris Tucker on the show. Yeah, Chris Tucker, come on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, this has been a great episode. Uh, Five questions. I hope that you listening um, enjoyed this episode. We'll be doing more of these throughout the season. Um, If you have questions yourself... We're going to have to find a way for people to, 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 to submit questions. Go to the Facebook group, uh, Online Course Masters uh, Facebook group, and you can join that by going to OnlineCourseMasters.com, hitting the community button at the top. And if you join and you click on one of the announcements in the group, there's actually a link to a form that we've created where you can uh, submit your own questions for the show. So uh, if you want us to answer your questions, go ahead and do that. Um, And uh, yeah, every episode, we like to give a shout out to someone who leaves a review. Um, If you're listening to this and you haven't left a review, please, please, please take the time right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to uh, the show to leave us a review. Uh, This review comes from Kyram. And this was on iTunes, and he said, this is a very flattering review, I must say. He says, Phil does it again. Phil always produces quality material, and this is no exception. His podcast is a chance to peek into the brain of successful online course creators, find out why they made the choices they did, what strategies have been winners, how have their lives been changed. Most of all, find the best path forward for yourself without repeating the mistakes of these successful people. So thank you, Kyron. It's reviews like that that just make Jeremy and I uh, so happy to continue to do the show and give back to this amazing community. So Jeremy, thanks for being here with me. Everyone listening, thanks for being here. And we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure you check out OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes, to enroll in our academy, and to join a free community of fellow course creators who can help you out. Also, if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. Now it's time to get to work. So go make some online courses and help us teach the world.